This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Susan Russell, Chief Nursing and Patient Safety Officer at Singing River Health System in Pascagoula, Ocean Springs, and Gulfport, Mississippi. Susan, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Well, thank you, Laura, for having me. I'm excited to be here. Before we jump into the questions, could you tell us a little bit about your background and a few points of pride at Singing River? Absolutely. Uh, I have been a nurse for 38 years. I currently am in the position of serving as Chief Nursing and Patient Safety Officer for Singing River Health System. Uh, Singing River Health is comprised of three hospitals and 10 primary care and specialty clinics, and we we serve the entire Mississippi Gulf Coast. I have been with the system my entire life. I I frequently joke, it seems like I was born here. Literally, I was born here and went to nursing school so I could serve in this hospital. Uh, During my tenure here at the hospital system, uh, a lot of my time was spent in critical care. For over 25 years, I either managed or directed our ICUs. I now currently hold responsibility for all inpatient nursing, respiratory therapy, and oversight for patient safety uh, with a department of around 900 fantastic people who work hard every single day. Our health system has been in operation for over 75 years, which is really unusual. And we are really proud that we opened up the first 24-7 emergency department in the state of Mississippi. Every type of acute care services is offered, including advanced cardiovascular surgery. We have a very busy structural heart program that's been open a little over a year, a very robust cancer program, and incredibly busy surgical services, which include the latest and greatest in robotic services for gynecological, orthopedic, and bariatric programs as well. And also, we offer several post-acute care services for comprehensive rehab and short-term skilled nursing programs. Fantastic. It sounds like you have a lot going on there um, at the three hospitals for your system and really, you know, is impressive to think about how many different services you're offering and what robust programs you have. Now, my first question is, how are you thinking about growth over the next one to three years? Well, you know, growth is the big question mark for everybody right now. We've experienced a lot of growth in the last year in areas that I hate to say weren't strongly desirable. Uh, For instance, covid Everybody has been impacted by COVID, and it was unanticipated, and it's not something that you look at as a growth strategy. It was something that was thrust upon everybody, and we had to find ways to work around it. And it had disrupted a lot of our normal activities, especially in surgical and diagnostic areas, and our system has seen a lot of major disruptions in routine clinic operations. And what we have found is that many individuals have postponed routine checkups, health visits, screenings, and now we're seeing the consequences of that. People are coming in later with diseases that normally would have been tended to earlier and much more complications. Additionally, our health system acquired a third hospital, the first one we'd have acquired in 55 years, and that performer clearly was not based uh, with a worldwide pandemic in that formula. So that has really been a little bit of a disruptor for us. Our entire executive team is trying to hypothesize and develop a strategy on what we anticipate post-COVID world will look like. Since, you know, unemployment's very high, the economy is still partially shut down, And you get that magical crystal ball and say, what will it look like when this is all said and done? And the question is, we really don't know. So that that is hard to develop a strategy based upon. Uh, Many people have been furloughed or working from home. 
and maybe when the world opens back up, they they may put off having even more of their health care needs met. So, like I said, we're, we're kind of unsure of what growth will look like, but we're positioning ourselves to meet what we hope is going to be some major growth once the economy opens up. Like I said, somebody used the comment, it's, it's more like a spitball right now, guessing what the economy is going to look like six months to a year from now. But as an organization, we do think that there's going to be a lot of growth and a lot of economic rebirth once COVID gets behind us. That's really great to hear. And especially when you're looking into the future, obviously, during the past year, it was hard to think about some of those things during the pandemic when you're trying to treat people on the front lines. But now being able to look ahead and see a light at the end of the tunnel, it must be really a great thing for you and your teams. It is. There are a lot of things we're excited about. We are excited that the vaccines are out. I mean, there was a collective hooray from everybody when these Pfizer got the emergency use uh, designation and that we are able to get that out. We're in, in addition, we are giving out Moderna vaccines as well. Looking forward to additional vaccines when Johnson & Johnson gets that single-dose vaccine out on the market, hopefully within just a few weeks. And then we know that AstraZeneca's vaccine is probably going to play a, lot, a big role in this as well. And, you know, we're all looking forward to getting back to a little bit of more of a normalcy without people having to wear a mask constantly. We know we're not there and we're not going to get there in a week or two weeks, but just getting back to where everything is not based on COVID restrictions, including having more open visitation. That is so important for our patients who are receiving care to be able to have their loved ones around them. Many times what we discovered with COVID was the caregivers were the one we really needed to focus in on. And even with great telehealth and FaceTime and all the horns and whistles, it's not the same as having that individual there present with the patient. So those are some of the things I'm really excited about. But from the thing that kind of gives you angst as a chief nursing officer, I know everybody on the call probably would realize the fact that as a profession, the nursing profession has been more disrupted with this COVID pandemic than any other profession. Widespread shortages. We had a nursing shortage before COVID and demand more than doubled in less than six months and clearly demand outstripped supply. Also, we have seen a huge escalation in the number of nurses that both retired and also resigned from their current positions. Here on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, we really have not used a lot of agency and contract nurses in the past. I mean, it was rare, rare, and usually that was in a specialty area, but we have had to use contract labor for the first time in our inpatient areas and in our ICUs, and it's just a sign that the workforce for nursing is going to be disrupted for probably years to come. Many people who were going into nursing probably thought differently of it, and I had several senior staff members who decided to go ahead and resign due to concerns about their own health or the health of their family. So what I think a lot of us who are in the nursing profession are worried about is what the future looks like. Because remember during this pandemic, many of the individuals who were in nursing school were not able to have their clinical times, have regular school hours. So that is the future of our profession and they've been disrupted. So what you're seeing is a cycle where we probably will have several consecutive years where nursing as a profession is gonna be 
more disruptive than the rest of healthcare, and it's going to take a while to get them back to a different level of normal going forward. So that's probably my biggest concern right now is what is nursing going to look like at the tail end of this pandemic and how long before it takes for us to get some semblance of a regular routine nursing uh, profession back in place. That's a really interesting perspective. And, you know, look, thinking about the nursing workforce and how it's been changing um, during the pandemic, I, I think you definitely hit the nail on the head um, about, you know, how the landscape is changing. Um, I'm wondering, you know, when you think about it as a lead nursing executive for the health system, are you planning on updating recruitment efforts or how do you think that that will affect the way that the health system goes about bringing in new nurses and um, educating them and putting them into a spot where they can really be successful? Our organization has had more robust recruitment than ever. And we're using different mediums than we have in the past. Definitely we're using social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, I mean everything. But also we are getting in front of nursing students earlier in their career, offering to help them fund their programs, also working with them and partnering to have what is more like apprentice programs so that people who are interested in healthcare can come in at an entry level. Uh, within the last six months, we've gotten approval to offer a certified nurse aid program through our system. So at no cost, anybody in our system or anybody in our community can sign up for training. And at the tail end, they will get the ability to sit for the Certified Nurses Aid Certificate, which is uh, one of those professions you just can't have enough CNAs. We will pay for that lock, stock, and barrel and pay them when they're training. Also, the same thing, we're enrolling in an LPN program so that individuals who maybe they, they became a nurse aide and they want to further themselves and become an LPN. And we're doing that in partnership with the state of Mississippi as a workforce development program. And also, we are working on RN partnerships with many of our local community colleges and senior colleges to help them because they, too, have experienced severe shortages of nursing instructors. Um, a lot of nursing instructors have retired out, and they just can't get enough instructors to help them push through a lot of new students. So we are working with them as well on those clinical experiences. Also, how can we help you get the instructors you need with those graduate degrees? And all the way from the system, from the entry level, all the way to the very back end when they come in offering residency programs, offering externships. I mean, everything is on the table right now to try to get the nursing workforce back up on its feet. And I'm really proud that our system has reached out through the state and through the CARES Act funds that were given to the state of Mississippi to really help focus in on nursing. That's fantastic to hear. Thank you so much for describing your efforts there. Now, before we wrap up our conversation, I wanted to ask you about leadership. What are your top three pieces of advice for aspiring leaders today? Well, I can tell you it's very different than it was a year ago. You know, a year ago, a lot of the focus was continuing to grow and get a mentor, and that's still important. But right now, I think the biggest thing for all nurse leaders, and this is nationwide, we know the turnover on nursing leadership has never been higher. And most of that is due to the continual stress, due to the shortages and demands. And the pandemic itself has been pretty brutal. You know, we have a lot of people who were healthy and fairly well, and three to four days later, they're on ventilators and died. That really takes an emotional toll. 
So we've had a lot of people have left the profession due to stress, burnout, continuous demands, and now we've got to rebuild our nursing leaders. And one thing that I can tell everybody who's in this profession right now, I think the number one skill or ability that you need to have is fortitude. You can call it fortitude, you can call it grit, determination, but you've got to have the ability to come into work every day knowing you're not going to solve every problem in the world. As a matter of fact, some days you can't solve any problems, it seems. But to find that way to come to work every day and continue to do the good work you do. Because, you know, during the last year, the frustration level has been at an all-time high. And if it, if you didn't have the grit, determination, and fortitude to keep for, moving forward, most of us would have thrown in the towel before the last surge. So having that tenacity really makes a big difference. The other thing is finding a silver lining every day. Find something that brings you joy or, you know, I've called it a virtual vacation. I will just look at something on the Internet that is about travel or something. We know we can't travel right now. But just looking at some of the things that are out there in the big, beautiful world that we'll get to at some point just makes you feel better about your day. Or looking at photos of your family, looking at at your photos on your phone for just a minute, something that just gives you a bright spot to move forward with. And the third thing, of course, is finding maybe not a mentor but a peer. I can tell you there have been days when I have had more resignations in a day than I had in a year. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's the war. This, there's got to be something wrong here. And then you reach out to your peers and you find out they're experiencing the same things. I won't say it makes you feel better to find out that there's widespread resignations for people to take lucrative travel jobs, but it makes you feel better to know that you're not in the boat by yourself. There are other people out there experiencing a lot of the same things, and I don't think anybody else can understand how uh, chief nursing officers have felt during this pandemic, other than somebody who was walking in the same shoes. Oh, so you're telling staff they need to go out and take care of people with a virus you don't know much about. You really don't have the PPEs that you usually have due to the widespread shortage in 95s that everybody is fully aware of, and you're not sure what the long-term consequences are going to be. Great. That's what you get to tell your workforce they need to do today. But I can tell you, our team has stepped up. All of them have gone forward. But it has been days where it's been incredibly stressful for all of us, and having that peer that you could talk to made all the difference in the world. Susan, I really appreciate your insight here. I think you've got a great points about leadership and thinking about, especially during the pandemic, what has been so essential for you and um, the leaders that you work with. So thank you so much for joining the podcast today. I really appreciate you being here and I look forward to connecting with you again in the future. Thank you, Laura. Thank you for spending time and I hope everybody stays safe.